Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, not everyone is your client, and that's something I've realized in previous ventures, but I think it's very, very important in this venture as well. So for example, I mentioned most of my clientele have been business people, business owners, and people that are quite used to flying private, etc. And I quite prefer that. Pay attention to where is not already oversaturated and where can I add the most value? On top of that, where do I have the most interest? So all three combined, um, I decided where to focus on. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of The Entrepreneur Circle. I'm your most happy and humbled host. I am with an individual who has an amazing story, but then also he has an amazing and very interesting company that I um, am fascinated by, and I'm hoping that you as well. So let's get into the story and the flow with Michael Darko. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me, Eric. It's so good to hear you and good to see you. I uh, want, for those who don't know, uh, to tell you what Michael uh, does. And he is the uh, the CEO and the founder of Farringdon Jets, uh, which he recently developed and launched a few years ago. And his mission is to deliver excellence and reliability in the luxury charter jet space to an elite clientele. And he understands safety concerns that clients have regarding their travels, especially in certain locations. And he's tailored this venture to be a world-class security-focused private jet company for those 
in need. So thanks, brother, for being here. I'm so excited to get into it with you. Um, I'm going to start off, and as I mentioned before, the cameras and the mics turned on. I want to get to know you a bit, and obviously, we're going to get to know Farringdon Jets. And I, I don't know why, but do people want to say Farrington? It's not ton, it's with a D, Farringdon Jets. Is that Farringdon common? Farringdon Jets, yes, it's very common. So it's a, a place and a name in the UK that people are quite familiar with. And it's when I started dealing with the international markets, especially people from the US and Canada, I started to realize maybe it's not the most easy to pronounce. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to pronounce that correctly, especially if we have AI in the room. <laughs> I think it's, it's, there's a T. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it, starting with your Eureka moment, a major uh, thing that happened in your life or business that caused you to pivot. Yeah, so I've had a few Eureka moments throughout my career. Um, I would say one of the most important was my move to Dubai. Um, uh, back in 2014, when I moved over, it changed my complete environment, who I socialized with, my network, and it really created the, I guess, the view of prosperity and opportunity that I previously wasn't aware of, especially when it came to entrepreneurship. So I think prior to that, I was like everyone else, you know, you, you get a good education, you start to, you get a job, you work your way up, you enjoy your, your weeks of annual leave a, a year, et cetera. And that was just life. But then when I moved to the UAE and there was so much, uh, or so many entrepreneurs, all with different background stories, some, yes, that you would imagine a born, you know, quote unquote, with a silver spoon in their mouth and others who weren't and they were lost for a period of time or they were in something completely different and they were able to create fantastic companies. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's fascinating to, to be exposed to new things and sort of be enlightened by those who are doing big things. Um, I'm, I'm also curious about, uh, the catalyst for, for the company and, and what you saw sort of in the market. Is that something that yeah. was also in the, one of the other, you, know, you, you mentioned there were several Eureka moments. Was that a, a one as well? Yes, definitely. So getting towards or more towards Farron and Jets and the Eureka moments surrounding that. Um, I think one, there was the personal tie that I have with traveling to places that some people due to the media would feel they aren't the most safest paths to travel. Um, and understanding that there's a wider range of people out there who do need to travel to these places, um, either for business or for leisure, and just wants to make it happen in the safest way possible. And whilst living in Colombia, a good friend of mine, he has a private security company, one of the largest in Latin America, actually. So I knew already that there was a need in the market for people who were traveling to these locations to have um, to, to travel via private jet, but also to have uh, security uh, detail and aspects covered as well. And for that reason, I thought it would be a very good idea to have it all sorted underneath one roof. Yeah, I'm fascinated by how you put it all together because in looking in your background, you have a finance background, a wealth management background. Um, you, you, you've played consultant in these sort of uh, these larger groups. How did you piece the piece the puzzle together? Like, did you know people that needed this? You know, the you knew the market and the clients that needed it. I, I imagine a network, but then also the the business acumen and like the the, the players needed to put it all together how did, how did you make that happen um it's been a fun journey <laughs> um i think definitely it's it's 
the self-starter attitude I've had from throughout my career in general, always just going out, always trying to learn, always trying to understand and find the gap and create an overall um, good service. I think it does help being in wealth management, et cetera, as a similar type of clientele that you're um, that I'm essentially catering to. I know what sort of service that they're expecting um, and how to best provide that service, really. So that really did help. The network, I did have the network up in a lot of cases from the clientele I was working with, um, but that did really help. You know, I think looking at the, the the majority of the clients that I bring in personally through networking, they do tend to be in finance themselves, owners of hedge funds, private banks, etc. So there is that rapport from my previous experience also. When it comes to private security, again, it's reaching out to the network and using the people who are specialists in what the, the service that they do provide. Yeah, it's it, what's one what of the first pieces you like, you know, I'm a big proponent of, um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Dan Sullivan's Who Not How. Um, so when you when you realize, oh, I need to do this, and how do I do it? But it's less less how you do it. It's like, who do you get to help you to do that? So who was like the first piece? Or what was the first piece uh, you needed to get it done and get started? Um, the first piece was a bit of mentorship within the private charter space. So I did reach out to a few contacts um, to also knew some other contacts who were able to be in the right place. And I already have some education, formal education in aviation anyway. So I knew, you know, the basics about aviation, et cetera. It was always a passion of mine growing up. So even in my spare time, whether it was from flight simulator or going to uh, aviation museums, or I was in the Royal Air Force cadets as a teenager as well, all of that um, information had to, I had to dig deep and bring that back up to the surface. But in regards to the actual charter, specific uh business in regards to charter agreements etc i had no clue about so fortunately i found someone who it was mutually beneficial for them to teach me a bit about that to help me get set up behind the scenes with that sort type of information there was a lot of self-study as well there are a few books out there and um learning resources out there and um, that could help with with the business as well so that was the first step and the first piece in regards to to building a team and an advisory as well yeah. So are 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 you the sole owner? Or did some of these mentors become partners as well? No, at the moment I'm the sole owner. It's been something that's been very dear to me in regards to holding on to uh ownership of the company. Um of course that may change later down the line, but um so far the sole owner. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. Congratulations. I I'm fascinated by what you just uh you touched upon. Uh I want to dig a little deeper into that. Uh, you see the young Michael Darko you're a very Hollywood name, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it's um, I, I see the little you, you know, with a joystick in hand and, you know, playing some simulators. Where, where did that come from? Can you paint a picture for us? Like, what were some of the catalysts? Like, was there someone in your life, you know, that, that, that inspired you or put these things in front of you? Yes, that's a very good question. And to be honest, I really don't remember that starting point, that one moment where I said, I'm in love with aviation or it's my passion. Um, it's just as young as I can remember. I've just always been interested in planes. I had model planes, um, with the, you know, the fear of sounding about to sound a bit nerdy, but I've had model planes. I've, I've built them. And, you know, I've, again, as I mentioned, the museums, air cadets was a natural move as well. Um, I had my first pilot's lesson. I believe I was either 14 or 15 through the air cadets, which was amazing too. And uh, with the Royal Air Force pilot. So it was just really always cemented in me. Um, through life, I, it was always something that I felt I was going to come back to. 
Um, but I just had to put on pause as life takes you in different directions sometimes. Yeah. But it set you up for this. Uh, yes. Which is, which yes. Is, is pretty wild. My my father would have preferred you as a son because <laughs> he has a love for for air, for aviation and jets and and it took me to air shows all the time. I think I lost some of my hearing because he never <laughs> thought about putting any sort of headgear on me as a young child. Um, uh, but yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah, I thought maybe that you had somebody in your life like I did who was just brought me. He, I, I should be you. It's this, you know, based <laughs> off of like what I was exposed to. I could, you know, after this this conversation, I could send you photos of little me inside of the engines of jets and cockpits all all my life uh but yeah i'm 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 fascinated by you know your your love for it and your passion for it and then eventually it becoming a business so had you run a business or any small business prior to that yes so in regards to uh my career so far or prior to to farron and jets at first i was in real estate um, and whilst I was in real estate, I, a lot of that time was dealing with investor clients. So investors that would buy the property sight unseen, they just cared about square footage and ROI. So a bit different from some of the other real estate where it's, Hey, can you see your family living here? Can you, is this your, your first home or your final home, et cetera? So it was very investor mindset. I was then headhunted into financial services. So offshore wealth management to be specific. Um, and. In that role, just like the the prior role, it was a hundred percent commission. It was you need to build your book of clients. You need to do everything. If you needed extra support, you're going to hire that extra support, whether it be your admin or your business development agent or whatever it may be. So I've always had that sort of entrepreneurial mindset of if I don't if I don't close, if I don't make, do business, I'm not going to eat. You know, if there was a major life life uh happening then sometimes i would you know be okay put extra work in make sure that the budget is there to take an extra bit of time off or whatever it may be so i've always had that mindset of of being a self-starter having an entrepreneurial mindset so it wasn't any different coming into current and jets yeah yeah it's just so scary to me um but i relate uh to to, to what you're saying in terms of you know sort of you know, working and then and then jumping into your own thing. When you were in in, in real estate, are, are you still investing in real estate? No, no, no. It, it is a a whole new world in terms of you know, the conversations, the language, the vocabulary that people, you know, like you said, with ROI and um, waterfall funding. There's a, there's all sorts of high level things that you're like, what are you talking about? Um, I imagine, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong. The uh, the the people you were exposed to in terms of real estate investors, uh, family offices, high net worth individuals was sort of a jumping point or a catalyst to, to help you create Farrington Jets. Definitely. I think understanding that the budget is out there for and the need is out there for a lot of people looking for this type of service definitely did help with, with Farrington Jets. Um, I think when I really came down to it with starting Farrington Jets, it was a sit down moment of, okay, this, these are my skills. This is my experience. Um, this is my passion. This is what I want to get into aviation. It wasn't straight away air charter or with the focus on security. And it was literally just brainstorming. Okay. How can I combine the two? And, um, I guess definitely that background of working with these high net worth individuals, ultra high net worth individuals, um, and the passion of aviation, private jet charters really does, does, does connect well. Yeah. Yeah. We have very similar 
walks through through the journey because that's that's what happened with me with this company that you're aware of now with with my podcast company and um it was real estate i got into real estate investing and then that's where you know everything started to happen but so it's fascinating to to hear you have sort of a similar path i know you have plans for farringdon in terms of the future of i want to get to that in terms of how you're going to grow and what are sort of what you're seeing in the economy and the, and the world you you have more of a global view i've noticed that with people that aren't from the U- the US like we're we're very focused on our ourselves here <laughs> i'm sure you know and uh you guys have a global perspective mostly but i'm 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 curious when you were starting the company i mean i'm still so curious about how you put everything together in terms of um the the structure for it like where where you were going to travel like did you did you do the research yourself or you outsourced where are the locations that people like did you start small because i know you have have tens of thousands of luxury aircraft that you have available to you so how did start from 0 to 10000 <laughs> yes so fortunately there are platforms in the background that could help connect you with different operators and owners around the world so fortunately i didn't have to make 10000 calls and build 10000 um, relationships uh, but it gave me access to aircraft from around the world. I did do all of the research for Brandon Jets myself. Um, that was quite important to me with the setup um, to really not just outsource it and then read through the summary and the notes, but really understand, really come across everything that the internet had to offer whilst doing the research also. Um, and in regards to the locations to, to focus on, I really wanted to pay attention to where it's not already oversaturated um, and where can I add the most value? Um, and on top of that, where do I have the most interest? So all three combined, um, I decided where to focus on. Um, what was really interesting is, of course, the pandemic. It had uh, it turned travel in general upside down, but no one ever really knew exactly in which direction it was going to go into and for how long, et cetera. And fortunately, in Latin America, I was in Colombia actually when the when the pandemic hit and I was in lockdown over there. Um, but Mexico, funnily enough, was one of the places that was open, wide open for transport, for for for, for tourism as well, for, for the most part, especially on the coast. So it was a very popular destination from people coming down from the States, from Canada, and even from Europe. Mm. So since then and up till now, it's been one of our most popular destinations. W- would you say that... 2020 was, you know, depending on how you look at it and what through through what lens was sort of a blessing. Like you learned a lot, but then also opportunities opened up, right? Because travel was very restricted. So were there good things that came out of it that you never would have expected? Um, I think a lot of people who generally wouldn't have flown private decided to fly private, um, mostly due to the lack of routes. There are a lot of routes that got cancelled that just weren't working out anymore for the commercial airlines. They had to really slim down um, in order to keep their costs low, meaning that there was more space for private jet travel. Um, as well, flexibility and freedom for some people and safety for others. They would let like less uh, contact points and you have far less contact points going through a private terminal onto a private jet to your location versus a commercial terminal, etc. And I think that's something with private jets where once you've experienced it, you then get spoiled. <laughs> you don't want yeah. to go. This so, is great. Yeah. But yeah, you don't you want to say. 
when you don't get to have to get to the airport maybe two or three hours in advance, even if you're in first class, etc., when you don't have to get there so much, uh, so much time with so much time in advance, people really do appreciate that. Appreciate getting that time back when you could get there 15 minutes in advance and you just quickly go through through the process. You you're welcomed onto your jet and you're ready to take off. It's a completely different experience. You suddenly realize there isn't an, there isn't that much value in a first class lounge anymore because you don't actually have to be there and wait. You've got more time to to do whatever it may be that you'd rather be doing. Um, also, the privacy that you have, the service that you can have as well on a on a private jet, and also the the freedom to be able to add someone last minute onto your flight. To be able to push back your flight, that aircraft isn't even without you. We have clients that say, oh, we're running 15 minutes, 30 minutes late, and it's, you know, no issue in the majority of cases. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a never-ending list of benefits for people flying private. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to dig in a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm so focused because I I don't think I've interviewed um, someone that owns a private check uh, chartering company. Uh, so uh, I'm so, so fascinated that. The experience we haven't even touched on. So my first thought is, um, what would I need in order to to charter one of these in terms of like, is there a background check that's done? Like, what do you look for when someone approaches first? Yeah, so for a standard charter, there isn't a background check done. It's pretty similar to renting a car from Hertz. If you would um, show... Initially, of course, you just sign the charter agreement, which is basically agreeing to the specific terms, the aircraft, and the dates and times you'd like to travel, etc. Um, and that's pretty much it. Of course, payment is made, the aircraft is reserved, and it's just the usual travel documents that you would need. So if you're traveling nationally, then it will be your national ID. If you're traveling internationally, then your passport. If you happen to need a visa, then the visa documents as well. Um, and if you're traveling with pets, or animals, then they would need, of course, their their paperwork too. But it's very simple and, and very straightforward. The um, the minimum and minimum and maximum, you know, in terms of passengers uh, for some of these flights, what, what would that be? Yeah. So the typical private jet that most people have in mind, the minimum. Well, there there isn't a minimum in the number of passengers that could go on board. If you're a single person, one person that would like to charter a jet, of course, you're more than welcome to. And we do have that sometimes. Uh, more commonly, is two people. Um, and on the standard private jet that we all imagine, you would be looking at a maximum of about 19 passengers. Uh, however, we do have clients. For example, we had a client that was traveling from Australia through to Mexico and they wanted 200 passengers. So that was just uh, a, a group charter at a standard airliner, but done through a, a private individual and their company. Mm. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, maybe offline, we, I, I mentioned that um, I'm, I'm in a group called GoBundance. And um, majority of them are real estate investors, so all high net worth individuals. And um, we had an event and this conversation was happening exactly like we wanted to charter, not we, but they, and I, you know, I was in the flow of the conversation, but I, I had no plans to go, uh, but they were all going to split the, the cost of, you know, chartering this plane for 18, 19 people. So for those who are listening, which is the majority of my audience, um, what would that look like for them? Um, is that a common thing as well? Um, in order to split the cost for a group of people? Yeah, yeah, just ballpark. And then also so so that they know, um, you know, they should reach out to you in terms of like, this is a realistic thing. Some people have probably no idea. I know I have no idea. And then also, um, 
yeah, how, how, how complex is that to, to, to get 18, 19 people all paying? You know, like when you go to a restaurant, you're like, hey, you give them 19 credit cards. It's always like it blows their minds. Like, Stop. What are you doing? Just give us one. Do you, how yeah. does that typically work? One person pays for all of it and then, you know, or 19 people pay. Yes, in our experience, we actually haven't had a group where they've asked to split the the, the check in this <laughs> in this example. Um, it, I'm sure it does happen, but I'm sure it happens behind the scenes. So, so one person will put down their card or will do the wire transfer and everyone else uh, has previously transferred them the money. That's how it usually works or, or through a company as well. But if it did come come along, we wouldn't be opposed to it. Well, we, we could manage that. Um, you know, 19 people, bit tough ideally. Hopefully it'll be more, you know, five people. <laughs> but um, we could we could definitely make that work. Yeah. So in terms of budget, uh, I know it probably varies. Uh, but what would you say in terms of minimum to maximum? You know, oh, you're getting the the baller jet, you know, that's gonna be where Jay-Z and Beyonce typically <laughs> charter yeah. versus, you know, some 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 little old me just wants to, you know, what what would we expect to? Yes, that question is definitely the toughest question I receive on a, on a daily basis, to be honest. And um, because it's so hard to give a fixed price, it's so bespoke. So there's so many factors that come into play when trying to work out the price of a jet, even down to the airport. So you could be flying the same route into the same city, but depending on which airport you're landing, each airport would have its own landing fee. The forever fluctuating price of gas, you can imagine, is is amplified when you think about jet fuel and the amount of fuel that's needed and the amount of passengers, the aircraft, etc. But to to give an example of the lowest um, trip possible, which surprises people, but for example, we have trips for about 3,000 or 4,000 or so between routes such as London and France, London and Switzerland, etc. So very short flights, about an hour or so. And then on the on the higher end of the scale, when we're looking at, let's say, a, a BBJ, which is essentially a very, it's an airliner that's been fitted out for private jet use. It's used a lot by, let's say, royal families. And I don't know if you've seen Donald Trump's, Trump's jet, for example, very similar to that. Um, and that would be, uh, let's say we're looking about $15,000 an hour just, just, uh, to, to run. So it can, it could really vary. Sometimes the, the bill comes up to over a hundred thousand. Um, international. So how does that factor? Do, do you guys also service the U S within the U S? Yeah. So we do national and we do international as well. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I'm going to make sure that all the links and everybody who's listening, if you you want to reach out to to Michael. Um, Michael, let's get to the final segment of the show. Well, the final-ish segment of the show. It's funny because I typically will say, let's let, we're, we're about to land this bird. So that is <laughs> sort of relevant here. Um, let's, let's talk about the segment where we embrace the F word, meaning failure. Yeah. <laughs> so embracing the F word, I feel like I fell far more than I succeeded. I'm sure that every entrepreneur can agree to that. Um, so yes, I think the the biggest, the best thing about mindset when it comes to failure, of course, is just realizing that you're one step closer to success whenever you fail, as long as you learn from that and you, you move forward. I think with uh, Farron and Jets specifically, one of the biggest failures I, I would say I've had is when it comes to choosing the right team. I think that's been a, 
a tricky one and fortunately not a detrimental failure, but just trying to surround yourself with the people that have the same type of mindset, um, mindset as you and the same sort of work ethic and, and dedication to the clients, et cetera, which is always hard when you have built your baby up and you have uh, a tie to making it work, but then someone else is just there for the paycheck. <laughs> so it's a completely different attitude. So it's always great to have the, the morals aligned in, in that sense and the business document aligned. And not to say that these aren't great people to work with at all. They have been fantastic. And some of them I've, I've remained in contact with um, on a personal level, but in just in regards to business and this specific business, um, that, that, that obligation to clients and that obligation to service definitely needs to align. Um, outside of that, I would say also understanding that not everyone is your client. And that's something I've realized in, in previous ventures, but I think it's very, very important, um, in, in this venture as well. So for example, so far, as I mentioned, most of my clientele have been business people, uh, business owners, and um, people that are quite used to flying private, et cetera. And I quite prefer that as much as it would be great to get some major, whether it's entertainers, et cetera, that would give me free publicity. That would also be fantastic. But then also just uh, on the flip side, when I have dealt with clients like that, it's more, hey, I've got, you know, two million followers. And can I fly for free, et cetera, et cetera. So that comes up um, quite often as well. And I, I have realized that's just not my type of client so mm. far. Have you said yes to some of those? And no. found nothing. Good. Good for you. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. you didn't fall for that. Uh, good for you. Um, yeah. How many of those two million are, are, are fake and bots? Um, so I, I, I man, I, I'm curious about um, what you've been doing and what I've noticed in terms of your um, your presence online. If, if, if you don't mind, we'll talk about this. And then and then like, again, we'll land the bird. You, you, you're, you're, you're hitting the podcast circuit, which is great. And, you know, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Um, also I've noticed your, your, you've got articles, you've got things like if you look up Michael Darko, you've, you've created a good presence, uh, you know, in a short amount of time, um, how would you view and what have you done that you could share in terms of like your PR and, and, and your strategies behind that? It's just, or you've been doing a really good job. Thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. Um, as we discussed prior to, to, to this, uh, call that it's all very new to me. This is only the third podcast that I've guest appeared on and within such a short amount of time that the first two haven't been published yet. So this is all, all a very new space to me. Um, but so far in regards to PR and building a presence, I did actually reach out to people who I know within the industry who had done it themselves. And I'd also spoken to contacts I had within PR agencies. And I think uh, the one of the best approaches I've had so far as well is introducing myself to the, whether it's the journalists or the podcast owners and hosts um, personally, so they know it's me and they could ask me any questions. I think that's really helped. Um, I'm sure, you know, with PR agencies, they'll have so much more reach in regards to who they already have existing relationships with and also the tenacity that they may be going at presenting uh, my brand. However, I think there's also that extra bit of, uh, like, of rapport when you reach out to people personally and they know they're speaking to the person that will be on their podcast and speaking directly to the person that they will be writing a piece about. I think um, also 
being a consumer of their content as well can also really help. Um, having a natural interest in the type of uh, articles that they write or the podcasts that they put out, and um, there's really adds to synergy. And yes, I, I would say those are the, the two main points. <laughs> and I'm still new to this. But I'm going to be learning. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. I I want to highlight something for those who've made it this far. Thank you, um, because Michael's fascinating and has a really cool story. It's very inspiring. Something that you've done that I don't even know if you're aware of that other people should implement in strategy in terms of um, getting on shows. So I asked a, a lot of people ask to be on my show, and I don't record uh, often anymore because you know, there's so much that uh, content that I'm creating that it's when I record anyway, it's booked out for months and months and months. You didn't ask me to be on the show. You gave something. So this is a this is a very a sort of unique um, uh, way to reach out to people. So I just want to peel the curtain back. Michael reached out to me through a mutual friend and said, hey, I, I can I have someone that may be interested in your services. Um, can I make an introduction? And then we chatted briefly. And then I was already very sort of curious about what you do. And you seem like a super nice guy. And I was like, hey, man, we want to be on my show. Versus if you approached me and said, hey, can I be on your show? Here's what I do. Blah, 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 blah. I get dozens and dozens of those a day. Um, that was a better approach. So congratulations to you. Very intelligent way to approach things. Um, so hats off. Thank you. Last thing. <laughs> Last thing is in one word, how do you help people? How do I help people? Um, very good question. <laughs> um, Business-wise, how do I help people? Um, I help by providing a service. I help by providing safe air travel um, to clients who may want to travel anywhere around the world. Um, I think on a personal level, how do I help people? I add value in whichever way possible. So it's funny you mentioned about how... Um, it came around that I ended up on your podcast. That was completely accidental. It wasn't that I was saw you had a podcast and I was trying to find a way in. It just naturally happens. But one thing that I really do focus on with all of my partnerships, whether it's in business, whether it's um, in my personal life, I really do focus on how can I add value. At the end of pretty much every call I have with someone, um, I always say, so what can I do to help you? Apart from Farron and Jets, apart from um, anything to do with that, is there anything I could do? Any introductions towards my network? that I could make. And I think that's really helped me get to the stage I'm at now. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm not going to let you get away with it though, Michael, in one word. <laughs> one word. <laughs> I, I, I heard a key. lot of words. I heard a lot of words, <laughs> but I, I, I have one for you if you don't, but I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you pull from everything you said in one word. How do you help people? <laughs> Value. Love it. Yeah. I also heard safety in there, which is good. I know that's one of your seemingly core values of the company, which is great. Definitely. <laughs> if I yeah. could say to you, it will be value and safety. Yeah, value and safety. That's safety. I've got a third too. <laughs> hey, uh, our, our AI bot is here taking notes, and I'm sure that uh, <laughs> it recognized safety and uh, and value as well. <laughs> but, uh, Michael, I appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show, sharing your story. Uh, how can people reach you? Um, so how can people reach me? If it's anything to do with Farron and Jets, it's always best to reach us through the website, www.farronandjets.com um, and fill out a quote request there or contact us on one of our main lines. If it's something um, towards me directly, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter or, um, at Mike underscore is underscore where. <laughs> so a bit of a mouthful there. Um, and also on LinkedIn, you can find me Michael Darker on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, Michael Darko of Farringdon Jets with a D, not a T for you U.S. folks. Uh, I highly recommend you reach out to Michael. Uh, he's also looking to get on more podcasts. So if you have a podcast, check him out. He's, um, I'm guessing, would be more than happy to be on your show. Thanks again, Michael. Uh, I look forward to being on one of your jets. I, uh, too bad you didn't fly into New Jersey as as I uh, it's ex- extended the invitation uh, to come in and do it in person. Uh, but hopefully we get to do that someday. I look forward to definitely meeting you in person soon. So when I do um, have a flight through to New Jersey, I'll definitely let you know. Thank you again for having me. Thanks for being here. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle.